be in my thoughts and words this morning. May I preach your word with humility and integrity. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. What an interesting parable in the Gospel of Matthew this morning, right? The ten bridesmaids. Of course, we've all heard the apocalyptic or end times interpretation of this part of Matthew. A word about the end times may have indeed been the original intent of the writer. Something like, be ready because the end is near. Believe in Christ now because there is no time to wait. In fact, the ten bridesmaids of this morning, some wise and some foolish, is just one of four eschatological parables here. The three others are the parable of the good and evil servants, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. So the gospel story comes to us this morning as part of a larger eschatological series. It also begins with, quote, the kingdom of heaven will be light, which is a great indicator or formula that what follows is a vision of the end times, or in Greek, the eschaton. While Matthew obviously doesn't have some, you know, premonition or special kind of knowledge of the end times, he offers these parables, which are images or analogies of what the end times might be like. Again, the message is, be ready, because the end is near, so believe in Christ now, because there is no time to waste. But that was 2,000 years ago, so obviously the end wasn't that near. Now, I'm going to leave this classic interpretation to the side this morning, because I don't think it speaks to our current moment. After all, that was 2,000 years ago. What is more interesting to me is the gospel was chosen to be read at this time in the church calendar. We are a few weeks away from Advent, which marks the beginning of the church year, so the church calendar's new year approaches. In a sense, an end to the year past and a new beginning are before us. Furthermore, Advent is a season of preparation. Advent is a season of waiting for the arrival of Christ. So on two accounts, the church calendar demands that we prepare, prepare our spirits, our hearts, and our minds for the season ahead. Over the past few weeks, I've been reminding folks in our very own community that the time between October 31st and January 1st are some of the most chaotic weeks in the lives of many of us. Holiday parties, winter recitals and shows, tests and finals in school, family travel, and a million other things and directions that the holidays demand of us. And if I'm being honest, friends, I have to take a moment to take a deep breath so that I don't make my own blood pressure rise just listing it out for you. Sometimes it can feel like the least spiritual time of the year, but it's supposed to be the most spiritual time. The Gospel writer tells us today to be prepared, be ready to receive the Christ child when he arrives this Christmas. Friends, a little fun fact about me, I am a New Year's resolution person. And you all know the type, those people who like to come up with all the new goals for themselves for the new year ahead, maybe a vision board or a word. The built-in discipline and reflection and the actual goal setting I find deeply satisfying. 
Even if I don't accomplish exactly what I set out to do in the next year, presumably I will have made some kind of progress toward it. Now, I know that not everyone here is a New Year's resolution type of person, but I hope that you will hear me out nonetheless. Perhaps, friends, this could be a time of year when the new year of the church calendar is close upon us. Perhaps now is the time that you might consider a spiritual resolution that you want to make for the year ahead. Maybe it's a theme or a word that God seems to be impressing upon you. Maybe there's some kind of synchronicity in your life that is speaking to you at this time. I encourage you to pay attention to that and maybe sit with it for a moment before dismissing it. I thought I would offer you some ideas for spiritual resolutions that I came up with in my thinking this week. These are ideas that I hope you can run with and really make your own. Maybe make time to journal or self-reflect one morning every week. Maybe invest in a new friendship with someone who has a different demographic or identity than your own. Maybe pray more often in community with others. One way would be attending our noonday prayer once a month. It's only ten minutes. Ask a spiritual question to your kids once every week, and I think this can work for any age offspring. You might commit to listening deeply and trying to learn something from their perspective. I love that the Christian New Year happens at the beginning of Advent. I like being able to enter into the season of preparation with a new mindset and new ideas about how I want to grow spiritually. If you are a parent of young children nowadays, you have undoubtedly heard the concept of growth mindset. It's the idea that you can instill in your kids a positive and always improving outlook on things that come their way. So that the goal isn't perfection, but progress. A growth mindset can build resilience and a general sense of accomplishment and pride as kids are often always growing and learning something new. But I think we as adults can also stand to benefit from the same growth mindset, and especially in the area of spiritual growth. It's important for our faith to have seasons of renewal and refreshment and change. And while we can't and you know, shouldn't be constantly changing for the sake of change, I do think we can always be growing in our perspectives on the long-held traditions of the church. We need to find ways to adjust our approach, to learn new things, and to discover something novel. If you find yourself sitting here this morning thinking, I am not a New Year's resolution person, perhaps you can expand your mind with me this morning to find something meaningful in being a growth mindset person. Because there is wisdom in that. Now, some of you may know that my origins as a minister began within a Wesleyan tradition. I've read many, many books on the story of John Wesley and many, many sermons over the course of 12 years of my professional ministry. One of the things that is most interesting about his massive body of work is that his perspective changes over time. For instance, his view on salvation is different in his earliest sermons compared with his later sermons. 
the premier scholar on Wesleyan theology, Dr. Randy Maddox, uses the term the young Wesley to talk about Wesley from 1733 to 38, then, quote, the middle Wesley for Wesley's writings from 1738 to 65, and then the mature Wesley for those writings, 1765 to 91. Friends, I love this example of a classic church theologian who embodies the growth mindset we should all be striving for in our own spiritual lives. And it doesn't have to be around a major theological topic such as salvation, like it was for John Wesley. A growth mindset can be attributed to even the small spiritual resolutions that I suggested earlier toward the beginning of this sermon. Perhaps over the coming weeks as we approach the end of the church calendar, you will find a quiet moment to reflect on a spiritual resolution of your own. Friends, I think part of being human is that we are constantly growing. You are not finished yet. Part of being human is we will never be finished growing. While at Duke Divinity School, I took a course with Dr. Kate Bowler, and she had a very informative influence on my life as a teacher. And I still get a lot from her ongoing publications and work. And one of her blessings is worth sharing with you this morning. It's a blessing written for when you need a second to think it over. And it goes like this. Blessed are you who don't have all the right answers. You who realize I don't know is the best response and posture for now. You who lean in, unafraid to learn and change and be wrong along the way. Blessed are you stretched and pressed and pulled by the uncertainty deciding to not stay the same because you are not who you were. We have been pulled into the unknown without our permission, but the challenge is the same. Reveal truth in love in the midst of seeming chaos. Blessed are you who realize that community can help see truth more fully, even if your chin has to be turned gently toward it. Being fragile amid a world of hammers takes courage. To be wrong, to learn something new, to choose humility and kindness over being right. May we be a people who don't have it all together, who are done posturing, curious, hopeful, and courageous.